So the Bible has this mysterious section in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and also in Revelation chapter 20 about Gog and Magog. Today, we're gonna look at the rebirth of the nation of Israel and the Gog and Magog Wars. Hi, this is Robert Furrow. Welcome to Hot Topics. If you'd like to help us get this video out, then like, subscribe, share, and ring the bell, and the comment section is open below. We would love to hear from you. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, there's this person that's brought up called Gog, and he's from an area called Magog, and he works with a coalition that comes against the nation of Israel. And then in the book of Revelation, when Satan is released after the thousand year millennial period, he goes to the area of Magog and once again, Gog goes towards Israel. And this has created a lot of confusion. And there's a few different things that people think about that. So I wanna cover some of them and let you know what I think is happening with the Gog and Magog wars. All of this hinges on the rebirth of the nation of Israel which happened in 1948. You could not have a coalition of countries coming against the nation of Israel unless Israel was a nation. And we see that they became a nation overnight, what some have said miraculously. And in Ezekiel 37, we have the vision of the dry bones where Ezekiel is asked, can these bones live again? He walks through bones. Can these bones live again? And Ezekiel says, well, you know, and he says, we'll prophesy to these bones. And so he does, and they start to rattle and they come together and then sinew and muscle come and, and skin and, and then life comes into these bones. This is thought by many who are in Israel and Christians that this is a picture of the Holocaust that in the First World War, there was an attack on Jewish people and some six million Jews were killed and they were put in different concentration camps. And when you look at videos of people who were saved from them or released from them, they are nothing more than skin and bones. It is like those concentration camps were their graves and God brought them back. And in 1948, Israel becomes a nation. And listen to what Ezekiel 37 says. In verse 21, then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations where they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms again. This is speaking of the fact that during most of the history of Israel, there was the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. And they were two different nations. There had been a civil war. In fact, there were only three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, who reigned over all of Israel. Then there was the civil battle and Rehoboam was king over Judah and Jeroboam was king over Israel and the two nations kind of went their way. Eventually Israel was taken into captivity into Syria and Judah was taken into captivity into Babylon. And they have been dispersed all around the world even past the time when they came back from Babylon. Remember that the nation of Judah came back to Israel, but the nation of Israel that had been taken by the Assyrians did not, and they were scattered around the world until 
the beginning of the 1900s. And then people started coming back from all around the world. Those who were scattered in the nation of Israel and those who were scattered in Babylon as well until there are somewhere around six and a half million Jews in Israel today. And where they were scattered when they were taken captive by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians, in many of those countries, there is not a Jewish presence anymore. In the 20th century, they completely left these places and went back to the land of Israel. And we see that fulfilled in scripture. And this sets the scene for Ezekiel 38 and 39. And here's what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog. So Gog is a person. Magog is a land. It says then he's the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all of your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, that's Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmets, Gomer and all of its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north with all of its troops, many people are with you. Now, we talk about Gog and Magog and these other nations that are mentioned here. Let's cover them a little bit so we get to know who they are. First of all, in Genesis chapter 10, we have the table of nations. And so scholars have done a lot of work as to where these people who are mentioned in Genesis 10 ended up settling. You have an incredible document. In fact, we'll do a whole video on Genesis chapter 10 sometime. And then you have these languages that are around the world connected to these different people. So here's Genesis 10, starting in verse one. Now this is the genealogies of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And sons were born unto them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, and it's gonna break down all of the different sons, all of the different descendants from each one of the sons, and we're not gonna do that. And it is amazing when you put a stencil of the languages around the world over chapter 10, but I just wanna cover this very next section, verse two. It says, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, they were mentioned in Ezekiel 38, Magog, who was mentioned in Ezekiel 38, Media, Joven, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus, the sons of Gomer, and then it goes on to give them. Notice it mentions Magog, but it doesn't mention the prince of Magog. So let's go back to Ezekiel 38. Now we know that Magog has been mentioned and we get an idea where these things are from. Let's talk first of all about Gog. Back to verse one in chapter 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshish, and Tubal. Now there are three different ideas as to who this is. Number one is that he is a leader that comes out of Russia. And today we know that Russia is fighting proxy wars in a lot of states that are Arab or that are Islam. And we know that Saudi Arabia is involved with the United States backing them that often takes the opposite side. And you have Shia, the Shiite Muslims from Iran and the Sunni Muslims that are from Saudi Arabia. And so Russia, 
Gog is thought to be a leader of Russia. And these terms that are here, Rosh, not just because it sounds like Russia, but because they, they, they have reasons to believe that this could be Russia. Uh, Rosh, Meshish, Tubal, uh, they have reasons to believe that these are the far north, which is what would be Russia. So there's reasons to believe that this guy could be a prince from Russia. There are others who believe that this is Turkey that he is a leader that comes out of Turkey and they give their various reasons. It's possible because Turkey is north of Israel and Russia is the far north from Israel. The passage does say it's from the far north and so either one of them could fit. But there's something else that may be true and that is that in the book of Daniel, we're told that there are princes that are over nations the prince of Greece, the prince of Persia. We're told that Michael is the great prince of the people of Israel. These are angels and demons that are over countries. We also have in the New Testament that we're told that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And it goes on to talk about a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. And here we're told that Gog is a prince, the prince of Rosh. So is it making a reference to a spiritual being that is over a regional area? This fits with what we find in the book of Daniel. It also fits in other places. And if that's the case, and we have Gog being a demonic spirit that is over the region of Magog, and then when Satan is released, and you have Gog again over the region of Magog that takes its hordes and goes against Israel when they are deceived by Satan after he has left, then that makes a lot of sense. It would help us to understand why you have a Gog and Magog war in Ezekiel and why you have a Gog and Magog war in Israel. In fact, I've got to say right now, that's the way that I'm leaning. Who knows, I might change my mind, but what we do know is that there is this coalition that comes against the nation of Israel. Let's break this down. Let's look at who they are. It says um, that, that Gog is the prince of Rosh, Meshish Tubal. We've talked about that either being Russia or Turkey. And then it says prophesy against him and says, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and put a hook into your jaw and lead you out. God is going to put a hook in their jaw. It's like a bait. It's a picture of fishing. They used hooks in their day. They also used hooks in their day for prisoners, but this is like turning someone to do what God wants them to do. And he's gonna bring them against Israel. And then it gives a list of more places. Persia, which is Iran. It's interesting that Iran, Turkey, and Russia are working together today against Israel. They're working together today in a war in Syria and in Israel. That's interesting. Ethiopia. There are places in Africa like the Sudan and parts of Ethiopia that are Islam today as well. Not that all of these nations would be Islam, but that Russia or the Prince of Rosh would be using them for his own purposes. It seems like this coalition is mostly Muslim. It goes on to say Libya, which is Northern Africa as well. It says that they are with them and with their shields and helmets. And then Gomer and all of its troops. This is a picture of the area of Germany today. We don't see how that quite fits in, but as this unfolds, I'm sure we'll see that. 
it goes on to give a couple more places and then says this right at the very end of verse 6 from the far north and all of its troops many people are with you so these people all come against israel and attack them and god says that he fights against them that his wrath burns against them and he will destroy them on the mountains of israel now, the mountains of Israel would be the area of the Golan Heights. It's the northern side of Israel where you found those mountain regions that are there. It's a wide expanse that Israel took control of in 1967, and it seems like the war will take place on those battles. Then it says that they have to wait a certain amount of time before they can bury the bodies. This would be true if it was radiation, some kind of a nuclear strike. It would be true if it was some kind of a chemical strike. In fact, it says in Zechariah, I think it's chapter 14, that their skin will be consumed on their bodies, their eyes in their sockets, and their tongues in their mouth. This could be some kind of a new weapon. This could be God reaching out from heaven and destroying the armies in such a way that they can't go and bury the bodies right away. They have to wait until this contamination is done. Now we pick up God continuing to talk to them in verse 10. He says, thus says the Lord, on that day it shall come to pass, that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go against the land of unwalled villages. Israel today has unwalled villages. This could not have been fulfilled in the days of Ezekiel or when Judah was going back to the land of Israel and rebuilt the temple after that. It has to be the end times. It has to be now because Israel does not have walls. In their day, every city had walls. Today, there are cities without walls. It goes on to say, and having neither bars nor gates, to take a plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand into the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and good, who dwell in the midst of the land. And so we see that they come down to take spoil. Some believe it is the Dead Sea that they wanted. It is said that there are $2 trillion worth of of rare earth minerals in the Dead Sea. Maybe, maybe that's not enough. But they come down that they can take the land and take what is theirs because it is incredibly fruitful now. Then it says something else that's interesting. Sheba and Dedan, which can be identified as Saudi Arabia, which has a peace treaty with Israel, as well as Egypt and as well as Jordan. These are not the northern countries. Syria and Lebanon, are, where Hezbollah is, are all against Israel now. And these southern countries have made this peace treaty with them. And so it says in verse 13 in chapter 38, Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, are, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty? To carry away silver and gold? To take away livestock and goods? To take a great plunder? All that we can do, those that are on the side of Israel, and maybe the United States here, is the young lions. All we can do is say, what are you doing? Have you come down to take plunder? We are not able to defend them for whatever reason. And so in verse 14, it says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, 
and them riding horses, a great company of a mighty army. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, you are he of whom I have spoken in the former days by my servants, the prophets, and Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I will bring you against them. So this kind of gives us an identity of different places that he has spoken about. And this may be support that he is a demonic being over the realm of Magog and that his name is called Gog. Now in the rest of chapter 18, we get the destruction. We get the victory. God fights for Israel. Israel is a superpower in the region of the Middle East and God fights for him. Listen to what he says in verse 18. And it will come to pass in that time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that in my fury, I will show my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake, the land of Israel, so that the flesh of the sea and the birds of heaven and the beasts of the field and all the creeping things that creep on the earth and all the men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all of my mountains. So it's in the mountains of Israel that this takes place, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. That's confusion. And God did that often in the Old Testament. I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself. I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Now, God had said in other places that Israel was a sign that people would know that he is God because Israel was brought back into the nations from all of the places that they've been scattered. Israel being scattered by Syria, Judah being scattered by the Babylonians. And now God says that he is going to show who he is with this victory. When this Gog and Magog war happens, there will be no doubt that God is God and he has fought for Israel. This is the reason that God does this war. This is the sign that he is giving us in the last days.